Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am going to be talking about last night's Thunder Lakers game and all the bright spots we saw from the team. Now, before I just get into like all these points, I just kind of want to mention this was such like a spontaneous game with so much emotion in it. I just kind of felt like just immediately hopping on and giving my thoughts about it. I don't normally tend to do that, but I think this style may actually end up being a bit better here. You know, I feel like I've just, I mean, normally whenever I do like scripts and all that, I, I, I tend to go off it, but like kind of where, you know, I have a sense of where I'm going the whole time with this. I kind of just say whatever I want. I feel like, you know, in the past game recaps, uh, maybe like more specifically the past couple ones, I've been like Eminem on an 18 bar. Like, I just will not be quiet. I'm talking so fast. Try to tone it back down a little bit, you know, go over a lot of different topics in this one. So I hope you all enjoy a little bit of a different flair to things. Make sure to tell me if you kind of like this style or not. Uh, I'll make sure to check that out and uh, I'll be happy to change anything if you guys have any feedback. But yeah, just hopping into this game, Thunder entering in at 10 and 12. All the Lakers were coming in at 18 and 6. OKC just coming off a five-game homestand, heading over to LA. Had to play this game at 9. I guess, you know, in Pacific time, it was 7 p.m., not that bad. But for people viewing in Central time and, oh my goodness, Eastern time, this was a long game. This game ended around 12 p.m., Central Standard Time, which is pretty ridiculous. That normally does not end up happening, but I think it's super fun. I love staying up late to watch some of these games, and this one definitely had my attention from the beginning to end. And in the first quarter, we saw a lot of Darius Baisley. He has been a big time factor in pretty much every single first quarter, I'd say the past week. I mean, he scored the first five points for the team, and he helped orchestrate a 14-7 run to kick the game off and through the six minute mark Baisley already had seven points and four rebounds and what you saw from that and why the Thunder got on a run their looks were just far superior to that of the Lakers OKC started 10 of 16 from the field while the Lakers started three of nine and OKC the reason they were able to shoot so many more field goal attempts in the beginning stages like 16 to 9 are you kidding me It's because they were forcing a lot of bad passes from the Lakers. The Lakers had eight turnovers in the first quarter of this game, and they were just completely shut down. They were not able to really convert on any looks, just completely smothered, you know, getting forced into bad decisions. But when they did opt to actually shoot the ball, there was kind of futile success there. I mean, the Lakers shot just eight of 18 through the first quarter and one of six from downtown but despite that they only were down seven points going into quarter number two the thunder they shot 50 percent in that first quarter but they were not getting the line like the lakers that was kind of their saving grace in the first shot 10 free throws hit nine of those so even though they were playing like crap refs kind of gave them a bit of a pat on the back you know not gonna give the you know not gonna give them the lead but you know helping out just a little bit not making sure the deficit's not too large heading in that second quarter and in the second corner, there's just a lot of experimentation. I mean, you still got to factor in this OKC lineup is just kind of drained down. 
I mean, you're swapping out three guys who are on and off the injury report. In this game, Maladone got put back into health and safety protocols. Mike Muscala is in the concussion protocols. And you got George Hill, who's out for a while. You got Ariza, whatever, and then all the G League guys. So you're looking at an eight-man lineup again. I don't know if this is like the second or third game in a row, but there's some sort of streak going on here. The Thunder need to be looking at a short list of players at all times, and that leads to a lot of just wacky lineups and, you know, see if it works out. They had a five consisting of Justin Jackson, Kenrich Williams, Lou Dort, Darius Miller and Al Horford now I have no clue how you organize that lineup like I'd say off a of height probably Dort would be at the one and then you got Williams at the two Jackson at the three or you know Jackson probably at the four you got Miller flipping and flopping there and Horford at the five but even then I mean they really don't have a true ball handler there it's kind of positionless that rotation Lou Dort he was covering the number one option and all the other guys were kind of just filling out the other areas you know, when I first saw this lineup roll out in the beginning of the second, I was a little bit nervous because I thought maybe we'd cough up the lead playing with such a funky lineup. Like, there's no real number one scoring option here. And Lou Dort, I mean, he can get hot, but he really was not that hot in the first quarter or just really in the game, kind of foreshadowing. But yeah, there, there was no real distributor or anything in the lineup. It's just all defensive oriented and they can all shoot a little bit. So that's what you're looking at there. The Lakers, though, they saw this lineup and they want to take advantage. Now, you think it'd be off like guard play and penetrations. Nah, they want to work inside, actually. And Montrez Harrell became the main option early in that second. And then LeBron just took that chance with, you know, with Justin Jackson and Darius Miller being the primary defenders on him. He went up for 11 points in that quarter alone and it was kind of strictly just off of driving inside the basket but the Lakers stagnated after that and once the Thunder kind of pulled out some of those guys from the original rotation sprinkle in the Diallos and the SGAs of the world a lot of positive stuff actually happened for the Thunder I mean the Lakers they could not hit anything they couldn't hit the side of a barn they missed 13 straight field goals in the second and Whenever they got the shots to go, there was like 30 seconds left in the second quarter. So they were frozen. And OKC, I mean, they didn't take complete advantage. But hey, on the bright side, they didn't miss 13 shots in a row. So the Thunder were up four points. But as a Lakers fan, you should not have been that upset. I mean, the Lakers played pretty atrocious to cap off the half. They still actually closed up this deficit from seven points down to four. And the Lakers... They shot 4 of 18 from downtown off of pretty good looks. Like, the passes were actually pretty good. They got, you know, extra 1, 2, 3 passes, whatever they wanted. I mean, they had clear shots, corner, top of the key, wings. Yeah, they just had it. And they kept clanking it off the side of the rim. And then inside, there wasn't a lot going on. The free throw line was still... Kind of what they just rallied around because they picked up seven free throws in that second quarter as well, totaling their first half free throw count to 17, hitting 16 of those free throws. And for OKC, they didn't feel the need to be jacking up threes like the Lakers were. They wanted to work down low, and they scored 40 of their 60 points in the paint in that first half, and they shot 46% off of pretty good looks 
So heading into the third quarter, I mean, it's kind of a clean slate almost. Scores pretty much even. And when you're talking the Los Angeles Lakers, like they can snap a lead in a blink of an eye, to be completely honest with you. And it looked like they would end up doing that because the Thunder started the quarter 1 of 11 on shots. There was not the same ball movement. Um, the involvement from certain players kind of dwindled down a bit. And the Lakers, they were able to get out on a 10-2 run to start the second half. And then once again, talking about the stagnation, both sides kind of dealt with that again in this third quarter. OKC really didn't slow down in the second quarter. You know, Los Angeles did. Both teams got a slippery slope here. OKC was able to wiggle out of it first, though, as they got in a sink and went on a 17-2 run to close out the quarter in a span of four minutes. So they went from being down seven points to the Los Angeles Lakers to having an 84-76 to lead heading into the fourth quarter. In LA, total switch of the offense. They wanted to work inside instead of trying to shoot a ton of threes, and they had 16 of their 20 points in that quarter just off of the paint alone. Still kind of struggle with a three, though. I mean, I mentioned, you know, they got most of their points inside, but they still wanted to try to maybe see if they could catch fire. And they sure as hell could not. They shot one of eight from three in the quarter. And OKC shot a little bit better from downtown. They shot three of 11. 11 for 28 just in general. So nothing too crazy from either side, I would say. But OKC, they got themselves in a pretty good situation with just 12 minutes to go in the game. And the Lakers, they continue to just remain flustered. They did not look like their normal self. A lot of just bad passes, brick after brick. The only man who remained calm was Montrez Harrell. He lit the thunder up in the first meeting, and he continued to do that in this game. He dropped seven of the Lakers' first 13 points in that fourth quarter. And OKC, they didn't have that number one option like the Lakers did with Harrell. They were kind of just spreading the love around, not trying to kind of key in on one guy to help lead them. As, you know, we saw in the Timberwolves game, SGA kind of was that guy from the start of the fourth. Didn't immediately start out that way. But as everything materialized, the Lakers were able to cut the lead to just one point, which around two, three minutes to go in the game. But then SGA... He is the one who gets the torch for the second game in a row. He gets a nice step back right wing J over the top of Dennis Schroeder. Gets it to go and the Thunder go up four points. And then both teams, you know, they kept shooting it from downtown. No struggling from either side. I believe they both got off a pair of triples apiece. Deadlock game. OKC was up two with a minute 30 to go and this is when Darius Baisley he looked really good all game tried taking the ball up made a bit of a weird decision I mean he kind of slowed down as he got to the free throw line bobbled the ball around ended up going into the Lakers hands they gave a nice outlet to LeBron James and when he's driving in on a transition layup get out of the way he was able to get that one to go and tie the game up and then the Thunder Kind of jacked up again. They were able to flounder their possession 
comes in the hands of the Lakers again, passing two, three times, however many, until they get the look they want. They had a wide open three, probably two or three times in this possession, but they went for a Dennis Schroeder 18-foot J, and he got it to go, sticks it, give him a two-point lead with 35 seconds. And SGA, given another chance to redeem himself, be the hero, he missed a step back too. He drives in the lane, taking the isolation, shrugs off his man, goes a bit on a fadeaway, kind of gets off a little bit awkwardly, takes the shot on the way down, and ends up hitting the front iron. And that put Dennis Schroeder on the free throw line with 12 seconds to go. Dennis Schroeder, but a consistent free throw line shooter, pretty much forever. I mean, with the Thunder, really looked nice. And with the Los Angeles Lakers, he's about, you know, he's about an 80% free throw shooter. So he goes up and he hits the first shot. Three point lead for the Lakers. Hits this next one. You might as well write the game off. Lakers are taking this one. But he missed it. Ends up shanking it. It actually hit the rim maybe like two, three times for added suspense. Ends up flipping off the right side of the basket. Thunder end up corralling that rebound. And then Shea just went on a stampede. He wanted the ball. And, you know, when you're looking with like 10 seconds left, you have two options here. You either go for the quick two or you go for the three. Now, my philosophy is just go for the home run. SGA, he didn't want to do that. He's obviously a smarter basketball player than me. He wanted to play conservative. He had a wide open path to the basket. The Lakers did not want any sort of threes going on. I think Dennis Schroeder was up maybe like five feet on him um, in transition, but he was planted around that three-point line. He was not going to let SGA pull up on him. So he hits, SGA hits him with a nice, you know, hesitation, maybe behind the back move in there to break out into the lane, clear path. Goes up for the layup, and Dennis Schroeder just smacks him in the hand. No two ways about it. They end up calling the foul on Dennis Schroeder, and everyone on the Lakers just flip out. This was a common theme. Whenever there was any sort of 50-50 call, the Los Angeles Lakers made sure the refs heard loads about it. We had LeBron James flailing his arms up in the air. Montrez Harrell's going insane. Same with Dennis Schroeder. I mean, Jared Dudley off the bench was probably losing his mind as well. So everyone was pretty heated and they end up using their coach's challenge on the play. They end up reviewing it. I'm going to be honest, Dennis Schroeder definitely whacked Shea Gilgis-Alexander going up for the layup, but they ended up overturning it anyways. So, what that ends up leading to is a jump ball at center court. I'm a little bit surprised. I thought in that situation, like, the two players would be SGA and, um, uh, what is it, Dennis Schroeder, but actually, it was LeBron James and Darius Baisley lining up for the jump ball. So, you see, LeBron James, he's all confident. He's probably been in this situation before. Darius Baisley, he's staring down one in the, in the one in the eyes, like the greatest of all time. You know, maybe he's a little bit nervous. Didn't stop him, though. He gets the tip, flips it right back out to SGA, goes right into attack mode. Again, he strolls up the floor. He's not looking to drive in for a two this time. He wants to hit the game tire right here, right now. So he has KCP on him. What does he do? He goes up for a shot fake, gets KCP airborne, pulls the classic move, jump right into him, flail your arms around, start screaming like crazy and get the free throws. So he gets the call. 
There was just seconds left in this game to go. 1.2 to be precise with you. Pretty much, if he doesn't hit all these three free throws, Los Angeles, they're going to be going good into Wednesday's game. They're going to get the W here. Lines up. Hits the first free throw. Second one, it goes in. He needs to hit this last one to put it into overtime, or at least give them the shot at it, to be quite honest with you. Dribbles it a few times, spins it around the hand, you know. Goes up, and he gets it to go. So it is a tie ball game with 1.2 seconds. But when you are looking at the Los Angeles Lakers, they are decked. I mean, AD was out of this one. I don't know how I didn't mention that earlier. But AD wasn't there. So, I mean, Montres Harrell filled in well for him. They still had a lot of shooters who, eh, they're kind of getting in the rhythm. And then you got LeBron James. So, obviously, they're going to call a timeout and advance the ball. But as SGA hits this final free throw, the refs, I guess, just automatically called a timeout because, you know, you'd think that would be the smart thing to do. Well, I guess Frank Vogel didn't do that. So, I don't know if they wanted, like, a... a technical foul assessed or something, but they were all mad again. They didn't end up getting anything. Just get a timeout anyways, advance the basketball. LeBron James, he's kind of lingering around the paint when the inbound gets tossed over to the inbounds man. And then he just runs right up to the top of the key. He ends up getting the ball in a perfect spot. No one's really around him. He goes up for kind of a fadeaway, like turnaround jumper. Could get the game winner, but he ends up missing the shot. So it goes into overtime. And I just want to say, I think this challenge kind of saved the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's be honest. Let's say SGA gets up for these two free throws, and hell, he knocks them down both. Los Angeles is up one point, and you still got 8.8 seconds to shave off the clock and get the ball back, you know, and hit a shot. You're looking at playing a free throw contest, pretty much. And that's really not going to be a good situation at all. Now, some of the Lakers were struggling from the free throw line, but it's not a very good hand to be playing, especially against the Los Angeles Lakers. So, if he made them both, probably would have got the ball into their hottest shooter. Or, you know, whether it was SGA, LeBron, they had a variety of options here. Just dish it inside. You gotta foul him. You really can't even go for a steal right there. You knock them both down. And then you got to go up the court and try to knock down a shot with like six, seven seconds left. So it's kind of a similar situation that SGA had when it comes to like hitting a three. But it was more like a spontaneous thing because that's coming off a jump ball. There's not a set defense. If it was coming out like, you know, the Lakers just bury both of their free throws. If the Thunder call a timeout, the Lakers have a set defense. Or if they just try to go guns blazing off the inbound and try to start up. I mean, the Thunder, they're not really going to be prepared for a play. Lakers aren't. Just going to be straight pandemonium, and you don't really like the odds there. I mean, there's pandemonium regardless on the final play in regulation, at least that put up points. But I'd say the Thunder, they probably had a better situation because they already had two guys on the other side of this jump ball. Baisley's tipping it back. He's getting on the other side. Everyone else on the Lakers, kind of confused. I think the Thunder kind of knew what was going on. They spread out the floor, get SGA this shot that he wanted. And that's why it got into overtime. And both teams were actually undefeated entering this overtime, coming in at 1-0 apiece. You're going to see one of those coming out on top, being the victor, and the other one not being undefeated in OT any longer. 
So, the Lakers, they went back inside to Montrez Harrell. He was trying to just run right into Al Horford to get up shots. Pretty much what he was doing, like just manhandling him, flipping up a shot off the glass, getting it to go. And then they got Dennis Schroeder open for a quick mid-range. He gets that down. And then Wesley Matthews buries a three. So, they were able to jump out to a 7-0 run. OKC just did not have any shots in them. And in this time, actually, you know, it wasn't like the Lakers were coming in and just hitting shot after shot. It took three minutes to get these seven points. But you're looking at being up seven with two minutes to go in the game. That's pretty solid for the Los Angeles Lakers. And they kept trying to force it down low. You saw LeBron James doing like post spins on some of these smaller guys. I think Lou Dort was one of the main factors here. He was just trying to go around anybody he could. I think he had SGA on him at times. Just post spin. Try to get the layups. It was working out. They really didn't have to look towards the three ball at all. And OKC just did not have the shots in them to keep up with the defending world champions they ended up losing this one 112 to 119 but you need to commend their efforts because this was one hell of a ball game for the OKC Thunder I mean individually you had three guys who scored 20 plus points in the game SGA had 29 points in 42 minutes Darius Baisley dropped 21 points in 42 minutes and how about Hamadou Diallo Staying in the starting unit, due to Maladon being gone, George Hill being gone, he dropped a quick 20-piece off 8 of 17 shooting, so not too shabby. And even outside of him, you got two 14-point scores in Al Horford and in Justin Jackson. Now, I want to say, with SGA, he has shown up in the clutch these past two games. You know, in the Minnesota game, obviously the Thunder came out victorious, but you can't discredit SGA's big-time play when it came down to the wire in this game. I mean, he's going up against the LeBron Jameses of the world, his former teammate, Dennis Schroeder. It did not phase him at all. In the fourth and overtime periods, when everything was just on the line, he wanted to rise up to the occasion, and he did it in a big way. First off, this guy had a big-time save in the fourth quarter that you probably will not be seeing in the highlights at all. This guy had to extend his whole body, sacrificing his whole body in line. He's pretty much parallel with the floor. It would have flipped this thing back, like, perfectly to, I think it was Kenrich Williams or something, like, 20 feet out. So he missiles it over, like, perfectly, able to get back into play and cashes in on a three ball and then off of that you also saw him hit that step back three on Dennis Schroeder if you take out any of those three plays right there you, the game's over you call it off and then not to mention whenever you know they are down three points he wanted to go in for that layup now it's more of a conservative approach but he still wanted to be the guy who put them on the map and he almost got an and one like if Schroeder went a bit down on the hand where it was obvious he probably could have flipped it up and in, and it would have just been tied right then and there. But that's not what happened. The overturn happened, and OKC just got pretty lucky there getting that tip ball. And SGA, he makes the veteran move of baiting the three to get the foul shots. And, you know, he was probably a nervous wreck going up for the free throws, but you couldn't see it. I mean, it seemed like, honestly, he very well could have been unfazed. I don't want to be putting words in his mouth, but... 
yeah, I mean, just went up, drained all three of them, and then you got five more minutes of play. In the overtime, I mean, you know, obviously they didn't get the job done, but you you don't want to be looking entirely at that. Like, even in the overtime, he wanted to be a big part of the defense on LeBron. He wanted to be taking the ball up and trying to orchestrate plays just all over the place. He wanted to be the main guy, and that's something that you need to respect from him. If you're looking for a leadership role, you need a guy who is doing stuff like that. So he went off when it mattered, and even through all 42 of his minutes, he was going 100% at the Los Angeles Lakers, and that's why you saw him go for 29 points. He shot the ball 25 times, and that's just because he wanted to be that guy, and you can't take it away from him. 10 of 25 you know, on a high volume like that, I'd say that's not too bad. 40% right there. And then 50% from downtown. Four of eight from outside. And that was a lot of the times off of step backs. You look so clean getting off this step back. You may get a little bit surprised there because his release is a little low. Looks a bit funky. Might take a bit to, to get off. But he creates the room with the step back. Gives him enough time to get a clean shot off. And he made cake out of Dennis Schroeder at some points in this game. He didn't get as many free throws as he's used to. Obviously, you're used to seeing him getting double digits when it comes to the charity stripe. Only five, but he made sure to hit all of them. Still active on the glass with his seven boards and facilitating. He was killing it. Ten assists here. He hasn't had a ten assist game in a hot minute. He's able to break the streak against the LA Lakers and how about Darius Baisley man this guy's just butting out the seams as of late he's been scoring double digits I think I think it's like seven or game seven or eight where he scored double digits now he's cracking the 20 point mark for the first time in a little bit so instantly he's just a spark it's happened a lot and in this one primarily I mean he had 12 points on four of eight shooting and two or three from downtown in the first quarter, not to mention he had six rebounds, so he's almost at the double-double mark through the first 12 minutes, and one thing I will say about that is, like, I love the fact Mark Dagnall did not pull Darius Baisley out. Like, when he was hot and he was the guy, he didn't want to pull him out. He wanted to see him continue to play at a high level, and that's exactly what he was able to do, and he just continued to dominate. Obviously, he's not dropping 12 points every single quarter, but he's still was nice when it came to going around the basket. He was dominant trying to get around the lane. A lot of spin layups in this one. I think he had like two or three as well as hop stepping to try to get the ball up on defenders. Just get around him, get the shots that he liked. You know, I think he got blocked. Uh, like final seconds of this game, he went up for a shot, just get smacked from Montrez Harrell. Didn't really matter there. And then there were some times when he was going inside where he kind of froze up a bit. I think uh, it led to one of the big turnovers and then going up the court in overtime. He actually double dribbled. But you don't want to dwell in that. You know, this was a big time victory for the 20-year-old in tonight's game. And even looking past the scoring, like he was nice when it came to shooting the basketball. But he also was nice passing the ball around. He had a beautiful pass. He was hanging around the right wing of the floor. Just gives a little subtle pass fake 
to his left side. He gets Dennis Schroeder, the man on the ball to bite, as well as the man down low. He also is caught up a little bit. And he just rockets the ball inside to Justin Jackson, of all people, for an easy layup in that third quarter. And he also made some pretty smart bounce passes to cutting players. So, he showed he was able to be a ball handler in tonight's game. He only had three assists to show for it, but trust me, you guys, there was a lot more than just three assists you saw from him trying to get others open. And, you know, one of the other key things that really made his performance special, he had 16 rebounds in the game. Now, I'm going to be honest, I ain't fact check this, but I'm pretty sure that's probably a career high for him. 16 rebounds? Crazy. Only two of them were on offense, but he was still getting very aggressive to try to help out and get some boards. And on defense, I mean, you got guys like Montrez Harrell going up, skying up the boards. Who knows that? You know how athletic he is. Same with LeBron James. Didn't phase Baisley. He was just going up and snagging the basketball. And, you know, looking at, let's say the splits, 21-16-3. and three. That is just an absolute masterpiece to say. And going down to the third member of the 20-point crew, Hamadou Diallo. He's looked very quiet. Like, I think everyone's just almost become accustomed to him dropping 15-plus a game. Like, they were flashing his stats around on Fox Sports Oklahoma, and I, I couldn't actually believe it because he's able to swoop in, get you a quick bucket like nobody's business. He put up all those points in like just flickers of time. He doesn't need to be isolating. He doesn't need to be hanging around the ball. Just give him the give him the ball for like two seconds, and there's a pretty good shot. He already scored for your team. So 20 points for him, not much of a surprise, but how about the double-double he gets with 11 rebounds? And he had... Five offensive rebounds out of those 11. He he really was a big hustle player, and that's why this game ended up being close. When you hear five offensive rebounds, probably like, oh yeah, he led the team in offensive rebounds. He actually did not. I will go into who did that later. But yeah, just all about hustling for everything in the game. He had a steal and a block in his time on the court. And he had five fouls. Obviously, that's not a thing to be praising, but it shows you he was trying to get in on the action. Now, taking a quick peek at the guys who dropped 14, let's start off with Al Horford here. Defensively, you know, he let Montrezl Harrell kind of get a lot of good looks, but overall, I mean, this was not his worst game. When it came to shooting the basketball, definitely... Could have seen better days. He shot just 2 of 8 from downtown and 6 of 20 as a collective. But still getting you double digits. Really the only center we had. Like, if you took him out of this game, this would be interesting. You'd see Baisley again at the 5, and then you'd see Justin Jackson on Harold the entire game. That's a very different contest that we're talking about. So very happy to see Big Al was able to step in and play. Only 5 rebounds and 3 assists. But he had a lot of help from some of his other teammates to corral the boards. And how about Justin Jackson? This is a guy who, truthfully, I didn't really understand like what his role was going to be at the start of the season. Especially when he was not getting minutes early and when Roby shined. I thought he probably lost a rotational battle or something. He gets in the rotation again and 
he looked really good. This was his best game in a Thunder uniform, and this is like the second or third time this week I've actually said that, and it's because it's completely true. He is on an upwards spiral. He went off for 14 points on 6 of 10 shooting. He was the most efficient player on the team shooting-wise on the night, and he went 2 of 4 from outside to go with his 4 rebounds and 2 assists. You saw the signature runner from Justin Jackson in this game, and he got it to go. He even got an and one on one of those. Ended up breaking the free throw, but it's the thought that counts there. And then on the catch and shoot, he was a threat. You needed to step up on him because he did convert on a couple of quick baskets. And then when you go down to players who they didn't crack double digit points, but they were a major contributor, it's Kenrich Williams. I'd probably rank him like I don't know. I don't know about rankings, but he'd be like a top three guy in the game for the Thunder. And it's just because of the little things that he has done, especially when he is playing in the first. He only had seven points on three of six shooting and 30 minutes of play. But how about this? He had eight rebounds, but six of those eight came on offense. And then he had two assists, a steal, and a block. He gets in on everything he wants. And I don't know how he does it. This guy's a straight-up ninja when it comes to going for the boards. But he'll just kind of slither in, steal the ball, and then he'll just kick it right back out like no one's business. There was a particular play in the first quarter where there were a total of three offensive rebounds just off one string. Darius Baisley goes in for a layup, misses it, gets it back, misses, gets it back, misses. And then off the miss... Kenrich Williams just swoops in and gets the easy put-back dunk. Now, that's probably the flashiest of his six offensive rebounds, but the other five mean just as much. You're seeing him go toe-to-toe with some of the best and biggest guys in the league. It doesn't seem like any issue at all. He's six foot seven. He's playing at the two right now, and he's matching up with the fives. Like, what? And he, he was not playing for us, like, last week. So... The growth from him is ridiculous. When you're looking at him trying to shoot the basketball, I mean, he hit his 1-3, and even driving in, helped out big time in those departments, and even in the passing game. I mean, he drove in to the basket, and he saw that one man was kind of lingering inside. He left his man wide open at the right wing. You know what Kendrick Williams does? He could have taken the layup, but he wants to throw it across the court, dials up an easy three-point shot. That's something everyone has been doing on this roster, and you see it from guys like Kenrich Williams who aren't even playing that much. He's proven himself. He has become one of the most valuable role players, not just for our team, but probably the entire league. The two other guys that I did not mention, Lou Dort and Darius Miller. Dort, 7 points in 38 minutes of play, just 3 of 11 and 0 of 6 from downtown. Just wasn't able to hit it from outside, but... You know, playing 38 minutes, he's out there for a reason. He's a defensive specialist. And he gave some of these Lakers guys a pretty tough time down the stretch. And with Darius Miller, he's not really playing too much. He just played 12 minutes again. And he didn't score. He didn't actually shoot the ball. But, you know, he stepped on the floor. Really, it was all about these other seven guys, though. Because they all played 27-plus minutes in the game. Ended up dropping their field goal percentage to just 39 by the end of the game. Um, they, were per- they were pretty hot in that first half. 
kind of tone it back down. From outside, they were 12 of 38 from three, way better than their counterpart. The LA Lakers, they just shot 9 of 38, so they shot 23.7% outside. The inside game is really what just saved them, though, especially down in the final quarter and overtime. They shot 35 of 57 on twos. That's good for 61.4%. So, helped them a lot in the game. And then also, still from the free throw line. I mean, it got a little bit closer by the end of things. Okay, she shot 19 free throws. But the Lakers, they still shot 29. So, they were getting aggressive. You know, the refs, they were also helping out a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, maybe I'm being a homer. I, I probably am, but... You know, they helped him out with the free throws. Other than that, though, I mean, there's not a lot of separation here. I think the Thunder, in my opinion, they ousted them for the majority of the game. Now, obviously, the Lakers won, so, you know, it's not the case when it comes down to looking at the stat sheet. But there's a lot of great things to be talking about in this game. They were able to match up inside. Lakers had 64 points in the paint. Thunder, they had 60 and then when it came to getting the boards, Lakers out-rebounded them 59-55. to 55, But let's talk about the offensive rebounds. 15 offensive rebounds to the Lakers' measly 10. And just pressuring them on defense. There's a reason they were uncomfortable from three. It was because everybody was just running around, switching one through five. Nobody had the same face looking at them every single play. So no one was comfortable. Everyone was just out of the zone until the end of things, but it really ended up hurting them, and the Thunder, as I mentioned, they forced eight Lakers turnovers in the first quarter, you know how many they had in their first matchup? The Lakers only had nine turnovers in the first game, all 48 minutes combined, so the fact they were able to do that in just 12 really shows them how far they have gone, and that's looking at just a little bit over half of your roster playing, doing this kind of stuff to the defending champs. So everything is just happy with this team. I mean, they get another shot against the Lakers again at 9 p.m. on Wednesday. That is in Central Time. And you guys should be very excited for it. I mean, SGA looking to probably play like the hero again in the game. You saw Bazy looking like a beast. And everybody else, I mean, they're going to be seeing a lot of playing time too. And maybe with a couple of returning faces in potentially Roby or Maladon, they could also get a lot of action on the night. So a lot of stuff to be talking about. And it's going to be a fun one. So I'm going to be giving a game preview in tomorrow's episode. And I'll probably sprinkle in maybe just a, another one-off story or something. So should be pretty interesting. I hope you all tune into that one. But other than that, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.